0: Yep, there we go. I don't know. We'll see. I'll just edit the stuff out. That's not good. (laughs) Welcome to this midweek devotion. I have uh, my good friend Lauren joining us. She's in the States at the moment in California at a church called Mission Gathering, and she's an associate pastor there. I think her title is Spiritual Formation Pastor or something like that, but it's more complex than that. But I thought it'd be good just to get her on and ask her some questions because. She has some amazing insight and she's almost done or is finished studying theology at Fuller University. And yeah, so she's got lots of knowledge. So I'll hand it over to Lauren. Tell us just a little bit about yourself and what you do at your church.
1: Sure. Uh, so Matt and I have known each other for, I don't know how long, like four or five years now. Um, yeah. We we were pastoring together and uh, shared an office which was actually I have like some of my most fond memories of sharing that office um, and some of the conversations we were able to have and just chatting about life and ministry and we were both on our own journeys of of trying to figure different things out and how to pastor in you know this day and age so um, yeah we, we knew we've known each other for a little bit and um so I, I grew up in a family, my dad was a minister, and I we were actually a part of Churches of Christ for a really long time, and when we moved to Toowoomba, um, my dad got really sick, and so he stopped pastoring, and I feel like I kind of caught the ministry bug from him, I don't know, my brother and I are both pastors now, and... When I was in uni I was studying education uh, but kind of fell into a role in youth ministry and the rest is kind of history. I developed this kind of really deep love for the church and the role of the church in the world, how the church can can be such a, a hope for the world that we live in and has so much potential. And in 2017 I think I had this uh, very clear call from God to uh, study full time. And so I left my job at the church in 2018 and literally packed my life up in two suitcases <laughs> uh, and moved to California and started studying at Fuller Theological Seminary and um, did my masters of arts and theology. And it was the most challenging intense scary amazing beautiful thing that I've uh ever experienced and it's like truly been life-changing so now I've finished my master's and I feel like the more that I learn the less that I know (laughs) so I don't know if I really have that many answers but I think that's the beautiful thing about uh following Jesus and uh having an awareness of God in your life is just realizing how infinite God is and how finite you are. But I'm now, uh, yeah, working at mission gathering and it's a real privilege to be working alongside, uh, some really amazing people. It's a really great community. Um, and who knows how long I'm going to be here. I don't know, but I, I have plans to come back to Australia eventually. (laughs)
0: i'm excited about that i was always upset when you left a little bit because i love the chats that we used to have in that office and i just i think for me i've always loved how honest you are and how real you are with your own journey uh with god and it's just been like a privilege to chat to you and stuff i guess uh i'd love your thoughts on just what you think because everything's different. It's a lot different for you over there in the States with COVID-19 and the pandemic. But what do you think is something that's important for churches to do during this pandemic? And then maybe something important to do after the pandemic? So yeah, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think what's going on right now is one of the the, the language that I keep hearing is that this, is, this feels unprecedented, this whole thing And especially for churches having to move a lot of, most churches are having to move to completely online and that feels unprecedented for churches as well. But I think one thing that I've really been reflecting on and realizing recently is that as much as this may feel unprecedented for us and it feels scary and disorienting and like we've never had to go through anything like this before, the reality is, is that well, we have actually gone through stuff similar to this and it might've been centuries ago um, before the internet. Um, but the reality is that the church has actually had to adapt and change and grow in times of disorientation and when the world feels like it's moving in a direction that we just have no idea where it's going to end up. And I think the other thing is that not only has the church been through this, but there are individuals that have experience of having to be isolated and contained to their home and lost their job and had that kind of economic instability. Like people have experienced this before. And I think some of the most vulnerable people in our world uh, people who have chronic illness, people who have cancer, people who have disabilities, people who uh, are having to be on benefits for whatever reason, they can't get a job. Even, you know, parents having to stay home with their kids and feeling like they're being housebound. There are so many people and stories that we can actually lean into and ask, like, how do you do this? How do you function as a person of faith, how do you contribute to the world how do you How do you be a part of a faith community when you 're literally stuck inside and one of my friends here at fuller she 's just this amazing uh, woman who she has uh, cerebral palsy and she we 've had some really interesting conversations and one of the conversations we had recently was um, that one of the interesting things for her is speaking to her able-bodied friends where they're kind of complaining and and saying like how hard it is being locked up inside and not, not being able to go and gather with people. And for someone with a disability or with a chronic illness, this is literally their reality all the time. They're having to be housebound and not able to go out and not being sure of when they can go out and not being with community. And I think we can learn so much from the most vulnerable from our community. So I think I would say that's one of the first things that as the church, we need to start doing is elevating the voices of the people in our society that have had to go through this before and what can we learn from them? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think then the second thing is, is back to, looking at church history and looking at some of the leaders and saints and people of faith that we uh, we can read about and listen to stories about um is realizing that there have been plagues before there have been pandemics before and yes our society looks different than what it did then but i think that there are principles that we can learn from how they responded in those times and um, one of the uh, two of the people I think that I've really been trying to read about and learn from is two saints. One is Saint Benedict, um, from I think the sixth century. I actually had eggs Benedict this morning, so I feel like I'm really <laughs>
0: you're just on the with Benedict at the moment. That's awesome.
1: I'm really, yeah, I'm really Benedict out. Um, But St. Benedict, I think he was the 6th century and he lived in Rome and, you know, Rome at that time had just been, had just fallen to uh, foreign powers and the economy was a mess and there was also a plague. And what St. Benedict did was he wrote all of these house rules and uh, daily rhythms of prayer for monastics. Mm -hmm. because he he was kind of housebound a lot of the time and a lot of other people were and so he wrote these kind of rhythms for how to be a person of faith while being at home and really like changed the way that monastics engaged with spirituality for a time there Mm -hmm. um and then the other person that I really love is St. Catherine of Siena. And she is just this powerhouse of a woman. I love her story because she was this. We don't have any photos of her, but there's um, the people that talk about her and, and kind of narrate her story talk about her as being this very like frail, slight woman, but this like powerhouse of a personality and this really strong willed woman. Mm-hmm. And she lived in Siena during the bubonic plague in the um, 14th century. And Siena was like one of the most affected parts of uh, Europe at the time, and so many religious leaders and leaders and people from Siena were fleeing because they didn't wanna get infected by the plague. And and St. Catherine, amongst others, some other monks and, and people of faith they intentionally decided to stay in the village and to care for the sick, to pray over those who had lost loved ones. She even, you know, there's stories of her burying the dead and just doing crazy things. And I think her story, there's so much to learn from her story, but both her story and then St. Benedict's story gives us this picture of uh, a life of someone who is in a constant state of prayer and someone who has for whatever reason realized that um, their own contemplative life of being at home um, is just as useful and just as important as them being out and about and doing other things. And um i love both of their the way that they talk about their lives as contemplatives and s- sort of um saying that for them to be at home and to uh to pray to be in engagement with god to connect with god is the best thing that we can do during times of crises. And that's like, so It feels very cliche because it's like, we'll just stay at home and pray. But I do think that we have a unique opportunity right now as people of faith to learn how to engage with God in ways that we haven't before. And they are gonna be ways that don't require us going to a gathering and engaging in musical worship Um, maybe not even listening to a sermon but learning ways that we can actually engage with God and uh, maybe for some of us become like you know our own little contemplative monasteries in our homes I just think it's a really exciting time for us as the church
0: no I think that's that's a great answer don't worry I was just enjoying listening so don't worry I, uh, you said two things that really stick out to me. Uh, The first one was you said before about leaning into people's stories. So I was just wondering if you could maybe unpack that a bit. Like, what does it look like to lean in to people's stories? And I guess to do that, we kind of have to lean into our own story a little bit. So what does that that look like? And how can you unpack that? Because I love the journey you've been on, but some people watching this like might want to know what that looks like a little bit more. So yeah, would you be able to unpack that at all? Cause you're smarter than me. So. Oh, I, was- I
1: think, I think we all know that Matt.
0: Yeah, I know. But, you know.
1: <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah. I mean, I think for me, I, it's been really important for me to do two things. The first is to actually ask and listen to the stories of my friends and people that i know who are considered more vulnerable in everyday life because especially for some of my friends who have like chronic illnesses um who are the elderly even like they're used to this kind of lifestyle sometimes when i mean not i'm not saying all el- all of the elderly are but there are there are certain people that for various reasons are kind of forced to stay home and live in this instability uh, often because of their health and so for me I think the biggest thing that I have have been trying to do is just like ask how do you do this like how do you as a Christian just as a person what do you do to stay sane what do you do when when the anxiety and the fear um kind of starts to bubble up and gets a little bit too much, how do you work through that? And I think everyone has their own stories. And now is a time more than ever that we have the time to actually listen to people's stories more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think taking, making the most of the time that we have to actually ask the people in our life who have had to do this before like how do you how do you do this in a way that is um helpful for you
0: um
1: and i think another really practical thing if you're a social media person or you follow people online i think it's as simple as just like following people on social media that uh have a different perspective from you and for me, that's, that's meant asking my friend who has cerebral palsy, like, who are the people that I should be following on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whoever, you know, wherever you get your social media intake, who are the people that I should be following um, that are helpful to you and who have experience in, in kind of dealing with this reality right now? Um, and that's like just a really practical way of every day I look at social media. Right. So I might as well have on my feed people that are going to be helpful to me, but also a- an opportunity to listen to stories that perhaps I wouldn't usually listen to, um, or that I wouldn't have access to. And I think that's like, they're two ways that have been really helpful for me.
0: Mm. No, that's awesome. I think, uh, that's a great thing to be able to lean into people's stories. And I think the next thing I wanted to ask you, is because I think it's, it's really important for us to, yeah, like you say, do those practical things to lean into other people's stories. But then it's really important too in this time to kind of work on that contemplative prayer and those kind of things. Would you be able to just tell us maybe a way that you connect like with the contemplative style of you know worship or prayer connecting with god and maybe ways that you know for other people to try that maybe aren't used to it that are you know i guess really used to the gatherings and that kind of stuff and that really feeds them like how someone like that could get fed in a contemplative way and maybe some ideas and the way you connect with it and maybe even something you guys are doing with mission gathering or anything that connects with that
1: yeah. Well, I mean, I think the first thing I would say is that, um, contemplation for a long time, I thought the life of like a, a mystic, um, saint monastic kind of person who lives, you know, in a, in silence 24 seven, I thought that was like really not accessible to a person like me. Mm. And I thought that that kind of relating and engaging with God was really only for certain people. And I'm not one of those people, you know, I'm, I'm like pretty extroverted. I don't like being in silence generally. Um I don't generally love being alone. I don't mind my own company, but I mean, I would rather be with people. And so I just kind of thought, well, God hasn't given me that gift of being in silence and being alone and engaging with God in that way. But, um, I actually have come to believe and see that this like contemplative practices of silence and stillness and meditation and being alone is actually something that is in all of us to do. And I think that as, as the way that God has created us is that we actually yearn for that kind of practice in our life. and one of the things that this pandemic has done, whether for good or for bad for some people, I I hope it's for good, is that it's forced people to stop and to be alone and to rest. And so I think now is a time more than ever that we can really like take up some of these practices and learn how to do this because for a lot of us, we don't have the option. We kind of have to be alone. Um, so, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that you can, you can do to, to start off with. And I think if you've never, if you've never like done spiritual practices, uh, like meditations or, uh, times of silence, um, times of contemplation, and if you've only sort of done the same sort of way of prayer that you always have, which is sitting down and dear God, I pray for this, this, and this, and maybe you haven't really thought about other ways of of praying. I think one of the the best things for me has been uh, having like guided meditations. And I mean, I can give you some great podcasts that I listen to of people just taking you through a spiritual meditation uh, with scripture and one of the one of my favorite ways of of um, doing this and engaging in uh, contemplation is through a practice that is it's an ancient practice called Lectio Divinia and it's really just like grabbing a hold of a, a passage it might just be a couple of verses it could be a whole chapter and you read it Um, you read it numerous times and there's different prompts that you can use. You read it numerous times and you literally just listen to what God has to say. Very often, I think we come at scripture with so many preconceived ideas that either we've been told or we've told ourselves, you know, this is what this passage means. This is what God meant when he, when God said this or whatever. Um, And we very rarely actually sit and allow God to speak. I think God is a dynamic God. I think that um, God's spirit is still at work in the interpretation of scripture. And so I think every time we sit down and read a passage of scripture, there are things that perhaps we've never thought about before that God is wanting to reveal to us. And so Lectio of Divinia is one way, a really good place to start. Um, and then one of my other favorite practices is, is a practice that I do when I'm outside and, um, I, our church at mission gathering, actually, we've just, uh, created a, a community labyrinth. I'm, I'm not sure if you've, if people who are watching have ever, um, engaged in a labyrinth before, but it's also a really ancient spiritual practice of, it kind of looks like a maze, Um, but the idea of it is to enter into it and just walk and be aware and pray and allow God to calm whatever is going on in your mind and to just have a greater awareness of God and to accept the path before you and just follow follow the path and, and not to think about, oh, I have to, I have to go this direction or this direction. No, like there's literally one way to go. And you just let it happen. And it's a really, I think it's a really beautiful practice because um, we <clears throat> are embodied creatures. We're not just spirits. So we're not just heads. We're not just hearts. We're, we're bodies as well. And I think our bodies are spiritual. And I think um, one of the practices that I've been loving doing, if you don't have access to a labyrinth, which most people wouldn't, one of the practices that I love is just doing a walk around my neighborhood and um, taking out your earphones, which is hard for me because I just want to get through all of the podcasts possible. You know, there's so many podcasts that I want to listen to so many audiobooks. but taking out my earphones and just walking around my neighborhood and listening for the sounds that are around me, whether it's the birds in the trees Um, Whether it's the cars on the streets, whether it's kids playing, um, whether it's, you know, being aware of the smells around you, the flowers, people cooking in their homes um, and just having a really uh, an awareness of the reality around you and that you are not alone you are a part of an ecosystem that is much greater than you. You are a part of community, a community that is much greater than you. And, um, and, and just allowing God to speak through creation. Like right now in LA, it is beautiful weather. I mean, it's always pretty beautiful in LA, but, I'm not gonna lie. That's part of the reason I moved here. Hey, it's a good um, spot.
0: I can't. I was always, you know, I wasn't surprised you didn't go to where I'm from, Mobile, Alabama. It's not as nice.
1: <laughs> I was second on my list.
0: Yeah, yeah. It would have been. It would have been up there, right? Top three, maybe.
1: Yeah, definitely top three. Um, but yeah, just being like, just being aware of of my surroundings and allowing God to speak through my surroundings. And there are there are times where I just have this sense of like okay, I, I'm, I don't know why, but maybe I just need to like pray for this particular house as I'm walking past. Mm. Just have this sense that um, I can pray for them. That's one thing that I can do. And, um, and it's just amazing, I think when you quiet yourself and you become aware of your immediate surroundings, mm. because I think one of the things about uh, us as humans is we find it really difficult to quiet our minds because obviously we have so much going on. So one of the ways that is really helpful is instead of just saying, stop thinking, Lauren, like stop being aware of everything that's around me. Um, instead, just directing your attention to what's in front of you. Mm. And I think God can then speak in ways that are, it's pretty remarkable. Um, some of the experiences I've had, i just you know becoming aware of my surroundings just walking around my neighborhood and people coming to my mind that I need to text or contact or um, things that come into my head revelations that I have about God or life and um, just really a really beautiful practice I think that can be very helpful
0: oh that's awesome I think those are like great ways and oh you just sorry I was I lost what I was even going to say next I was just <laughs> and liking what you said and i was like oh gotta ask something else now but no i i think you're, you're bang on with a lot of that stuff i guess uh probably we'll we'll wrap it up because i know we and you could chat for ages about anything uh, much. seriously but people might not want to listen to that but but i guess uh is there anything you would just that's on your heart to maybe share with us or maybe um, just anything that God's really showing you in this season. I know for us as a church, we're going through the gospel, Luke. And uh, one of the big themes is that Christ is a savior for all people. And I'm kind of unpacking the power of forgiveness and have other people helping me. And we're looking at what that power of forgiveness can do and have in our lives that we can find in Christ. And uh, this week uh, I'm preaching about the road to Emmaus. So I just didn't know if maybe, yeah, even if there's a Gospel story and Luke that you just really like or anything. So yeah, open mic to close everything, pretty much.
1: Whoa, are you sure you want to do that?
0: Well, you know, if you say something too bad, I'll just delete it. And everyone, that's <laughs> great yeah, that you ended with the contemplation stuff. And I'd be like, yeah, didn't you love it. And then no one knows. <laughs>
1: that's true. um Yeah, actually, one of the things that I have been learning in this season, um, and I realize actually now that this is right at the beginning of Luke actually in, I think it's, I think it's chapter four where Jesus has just been tempted and spent some time in the desert. And then he starts his ministry in Galilee and he, one of the first stories in Luke of, of Jesus' ministry in Galilee is him going to the temple on the Sabbath and reading from the scroll and then people getting mad about it and wanting to throw them off a cliff. And I mean, generally that's just like a pretty cool story in general. You know, even if you don't really understand everything that's going on around it, like Jesus, it just says that Jesus just passed through them when they tried to throw them off the cliff. Like (laughs) Jesus is cool. Um, but I think one of the, one of the things that's really interesting about that story is is the passage that jesus reads which is from isaiah actually i have to say in america when i say isaiah people do not know what i'm talking about because everyone says isaiah here but so but i feel like i can finally be myself because i'm talking to australians um, but Jesus is talking, is, is reading from Isaiah and it's that, um, that passage where it's like the spirit of the Lord is upon me and, um, I'm bringing good news to the poor and I'm going to set the, uh, uh, give sight to the blind and set the captives free and free the mm-hmm. oppressed and the poor. And this is the year of the Lord's favor. And, um, one of the things that I have been thinking about recently is, you know, that verse in Isaiah is referring to uh, the, the mandate given by God in Leviticus Mm -hmm. of the year of the Jubilee, which would happen every 50 years. Mm -hmm. And God said that um, every 50 years, essentially for a whole year, it would be a year of liberation and release. And so everyone would return their, uh, back to their family and to their properties, there would be no sowing or reaping or harvesting. You would just uh, take the things that the land produced as it was. Um, people weren't to profit or to cheat. Uh, slaves were to be released, and and people were just encouraged to rest mm-hmm. and to enjoy time with each other and with their families. And this kind of uh mandate that god gave the people of israel is i think then referred to in luke where jesus is kind of the uh the agent of the liberation and the release that the year of the jubilee once used to bring and um i think that the writer of Luke is being really intentional about the language and about referring to this passage in Isaiah and referring to the biblical Jubilee. And I think in the state that we're in right now, we are being forced to return to our homes. We're being forced some of us to stop working. We're being forced to rest. Um, And we're being forced to, to question and rethink how we live in community and how we live just as people. We've, we've been forced to think, Well, what are the most important things in life? Um, and we've made life so complicated, we've made community complicated, and where we have this amazing opportunity to practice some of the principles i think from this jubilee mandate which is to really think about well how can we be living and what is the best way to live and how can we be an alternate community and i think one of those things is that we have a very present reality and responsibility to the poor and the sick and the vulnerable in our community and that salvation is not just about a personal relationship salvation between me and God as much as that is a part of it salvation I think for Luke and I think what we see in scripture is that salvation is communal and it's material it's about uh, practically how can I bring about God's liberation and freedom to the world and to communities And I think we have the opportunity as people of faith to live into that right now. How can we bring about rest and contentment and real community and liberation and healing for the sick and a generosity to the poor and to the oppressed? Like, how can we do that as people of faith? Um, that's something that I'm being really challenged by right now, because I think we're being forced into this uh, reconsidering what community looks like and reconsidering what life should look like and um, really going back to scripture and the story of God and what God has has mandated for, for his people. Um, I think that that's something that is really important for me
0: oh that's awesome that's man that's a great way to end things that was beautiful what you said i I loved it so i'm completely lost my (laughs) thought. but i reckon uh yeah we'll wrap it up there and if you want uh i'd love to put in the like with this midweek devotion some of those links you're talking about just with the podcast that people can do and just maybe even uh I think I saw Mission Gathering, you guys did a tour of your your labyrinth, so maybe yeah. they could see what you know what you mean by that, if they never heard that, because I found that interesting because I've never seen a labyrinth, so I was like, "Ah, oh, this is cool. But yeah, if you want to send me through that, I'll put it on this midweek devotion. but yeah, thank you so much for joining us, and I'll make sure we do this again because yeah, you know way more than I do, and always love chatting to you.
1: Yeah, it was good to be with you and good to be with. Everyone at Highfields, I miss Toowoomba. I can't wait to be back.
0: No worries. When you're back, we'll have you up here. I'll get you to come and share a message with us. So, I'm all
1: right. So. With that.
0: Cool. No worries. Thank you, Lauren.
1: Of course. No worries. Bye.